It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Welcome back to Celtic State of Mind Tuesday afternoon bulletin. Different makeup this week. I'm joined by Paul John, Brian, gents. Um, this is my regular slot, so I suppose it should be me saying welcome to both of you. Um, I've had two late call outs. Patrick will be joining you tomorrow, so don't worry. If you are missing him, you'll get your fix of him tomorrow. Um, gents, how, how are we doing? It's still deep, dark World Cup just now. Um, we're nearly out the group stages. Um, the end is. In sight, we're coming to the end of November. Um, Celtic will be returning, I think, in less than three weeks' time now, which I think we're all excited about. But um, how, how are you both holding up just now? 
I'm all right. I mean, I'm glad you said it's different makeup because obviously in the studio, sometimes you do need to be made up. I don't know about you, Brian. The lighting's no great in this studio, but um, thanks for that. Anyway, a couple of late call-offs for you, Declan. You'll be feeling like Stevie Clark, mate. Yeah, aye, absolutely. Um, although I think Natasha and Lawrence are worried me a wee bit more than maybe a Stevie O'Donnell or whoever else maybe would put a Scotland side. So nothing to worry about there. Um, and I think able substitutes so we should be cool for today um, our tagline there is Ange about to get bold with departures in January transfer window we want to talk about that because it's going to be fast paced we usually have that winter break in January when we can let the, the rumours roll but we'll be here it'll be game by game um, because we've got some catching up to do to the World Cup so I think rumour mill time is just now Celtic have already completed a signing uh, a shocker out the blue I, I think even though we, we knew it was Near enough going to happen, and it looks like we're going to complete a, a double signing. So, we also want to talk about Celtics scouting and maybe still looking at leagues um, that's potentially um, in our favour to be shopping. Um, but, but Paul, I want to start in Bell Sill Saturday. I know you gave it a plug yesterday when you were on with Liam. Um, both you and I were fortunate enough to to attend the event. Um, a massive shout out to, to Eddie Linus, who I know has been in a Celtic state of mind along with Frank. If you don't listen to that, check it out. Um, I was uh, invited along with Eddie, um, and that's still fallen there. Uh, I invited along with Eddie on Saturday to the, the statue unveiling it, and as always, good to see a lot of familiar faces, Celtic legends. And it was a, a special day, Paul, and I think, you know, we'd said before in here about statues to Celtic legends and, you know, no bigger a legend than Billy McNeil. And something I was talking to John McKenna about, who did the statue, there's very little people in the UK who have actually got two statues. Jimmy Johnson's one of them. Um, if anybody else is on the Google just still let us know who else has got two statues but there's a wee interesting fact this one I think it just shows you the the impact that both men had and it's not just on Celtic you've just got to think of European football um, that obviously there, there are certain areas of the British mainstream press who would overlook that I, I just um, I've got this massive archive of stuff at, at home and I was going through these old magazines and it's you know, the types of world soccer and four four two and when they, whenever they do the big polls, Declan, they always overlook um our our greats. They seem to always overlook the iconic Celtic players that done so well. Dalgleish is always in these lists, you know, top hundred players of all time, etc. etc. Uh, because he done it in England. But Big Billy, Jimmy Jimmy Johnson, no surprise that that, that there's two statues for each of the men. And the the key for me, and I was at the um the Bobby Lennox one as well back in, uh, I think it was maybe three or four years ago now. 2018, November 2018, 2018. around about the same time of year, I. Yeah, and, and it was the same sculpture, I believe, and he's unbelievable. I mean, this is always a big worry. I said this yesterday, Brian. You're just thinking back to the Ronaldo statue, right? And you're waiting for that, uh, you know, the unveiling of it. And then you see this unbelievable monument standing there. And I saw it from a really good angle. I was just standing, I think, behind you to the right, and just Big Billy was standing there. It was incredible. Um, so anybody in the area, anybody who visits Bells Hill, driving through it, go and have a look at it. It's stunning. Yeah, it's an absolute belter. Um, right away, I was standing beside John Clark when it, when it came off and I thought, who maybe better to know Billy playing with him than John? And right away I said to him, I said, what do you think? He said, absolute cracker. So his former teammates um, were impressed by it. And yeah, I think... 
Are Ronaldo statues something that probably still maybe haunts people when they're, they're getting a statue? Um, Where is that, by the way? Is that actually in I think in it's in Madeira. Madeira. Oh, it's in right. Madeira, I think. Um, if it's still there, that is, and it's maybe not been taken down for scrap metal or whatever, because it's not a, a likeness at all um, to, to Cristiano. But, Brian, um, even though maybe you know not at the event and whatnot, um, I'm sure you saw coverage on it and photograph and whatever else, it's just always nice to, to see... All to all your faces that, that Billy both played with and managed, Pat Bonner and, and Frank McAvaney were there, Mark Reed too, and Graham Sinclair. Um, it's just always nice to, to, to see these kind of things because so many times, like your own family or whatever, maybe the only time you see them is in, in sad occasions. So it's always good when it's a, a joyous occasion when everybody's brought together. Yeah, and do you know what's incredible about it? I've been kind of thinking about this the past, the past few days. Like, I don't think anyone can quite appreciate how monumental a statue, someone building a statue of you is. I mean, that's, I mean, it's there forever. I mean, it's, you know, for Billy, he's in the hearts of Celtic fans forever. He's obviously right, he's in club history, but to actually have a statue is, is just really quite incredible. Like, for his family, for his grandkids, great grandkids, whoever, it's it's just an amazing thing. And I think it, it speaks to not only the reverence he's held in terms of what he done as captain of Celtic, but it's the, the type of person he was as well, and the same way, same way Jinky. And it's like, it's part of what makes Celtic such a. I'm always, you know, telling people this um, down south, and I'm chanting about Celtic, and I'm so proud to talk about it because the, the makeup of Celtic and how we kind of came to be and, and what we stand for as a club and stuff, and our most legendary team and our most legendary figures are all great human beings as well. That, that, are appreciated by families and people can say, oh, this is Big Billy, this is what he does, this is what a guy he was. And that's incredible. It's not just their, their football capability, it's what they presented as a whole. And, and there's no many clubs in the world that have players, statues everywhere, that, that have that sort of special sort of significance. Um, and I just think it's, it's just such a, an incredible thing. And it really sets Celtic apart. And Jim and I were having a, a rant over the past few weeks about the, the sort of the money side of football and how it sort of takes the, the football away from people almost. Mm-hmm. It's just like Celtic, what we have, it's so much more than that. It's not about money, it's not about this and success, it's no Man City where there's sheets on in it and sending players in five hundred grand a week. It's it's Celtic Football Club and wherever you go in the world you can meet somebody. It's incredible and it's it just sort of it was emblematic of everything I love about Celtic. That's mm-hmm. that in a way. And I just think yeah. it really comes up why the club's so so special and so different from everyone else. Yeah, but that's been something in um, Alistair Johnson's comments we'll get on to, you know, came across Victor Wanyama playing in the same team and his compliments from Victor who was obviously at Celtic for not, not too long a time but, but under Neil Lennon, you know, it couldn't be any more compliment to the club. I think Alistair Johnson says that he's the best agent that Celtic could get. So that, you know, speaks volumes to that, you know, someone who probably knew very little about the club, you know, growing up in Kenya, then then, then coming to, to European football when I was in Belgium before making the trip to Scotland. So You tell me that, he didn't play Sabutio and he never picked a green nah. and white hoops, Declan and, and nah. No. No. Nah. I, I think I think maybe a little Liverpool or Man United man, big victor maybe growing <laughs> up. But I'm sure he's got it in his heart right now. But I, I think Paul, you know what, what Brian was saying there it's important in terms of the community as well and that was something it's on one of the plaques beside the statue. Um, about Billy McNeil signifies not just as a football player, but you know, in terms of community, what, what Bells Hill is. You know, a, a lot of Lithuanian people went into Bells Hill 
um, during um, migration times in Scotland, and it's important to remember that. And, and you know that that links to the very foundations of Celtic Football Club itself. Totally. I mean, we were there, Declan, uh, separately, but we we were there to film the event, <clears throat> and um, we got a chance to speak to yourself, um, Eddie, who has obviously worked tirelessly with his committee to get the thing done, um, and a few ex-players who played. Uh, I was going to say under Billy, but uh, Tommy Boyd never actually played under Billy McNeil. But uh, Billy did try to sign him from Motherwell, by the way, before he went mm. to Chelsea. But we got a couple of ex-players in as well, and we're just chatting away. And that was what the discussion I had with Eddie. I, I said to him, you know, I, when I mentioned the the statue in in Fife, um, which is Jim Baxter at Hillabeath, and you drive into Hillabeath, and I'm not being disparaging to the area, but it's not got a great deal going for it, guys. You know, it's just one of these. Uh, working class areas and, and you drive in and there's this statue of, of Jim Baxter if anybody's not seen it it's, it's stunning and it's basically like he's in a pose that's quite nonchalant because he was a silky silky player looking down on everybody that actually enters that wee village in Fife and you know there's going to be kids growing up who you know the, the outlook can be quite bleak in these places and then they might ask their dad or their granddad who is this fella and then they learn that actually you know, if you are dedicated enough in uh, your sport and politics, whatever it could be, because I've seen boxers, I've seen politicians with statues, I've seen um, musicians with them, um, then it is doable, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of your background, uh, where you're from. Um, and I think that when you see them in the hometowns, that's quite special. I love the statues up at Celtic Park, don't get me wrong. But I think when it's in a wee village or, or a wee um, area that, you know, there's maybe not a great deal going for it. It's like a shining beacon of ambition and success and and achievement, and I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. It takes more significance. Sorry, Brian. You know, you know, Kev, you and I we all say the romantics, Axon, <laughs> um, and it's. I, I was telling my missus, although she was she's Irish, but she's not about football. She's not interested. But I was talking about Celtic recently. I was talking about the story, particularly the Lisbon, a form, but then the Lisbon lines and how incredible achievement that is. And she said, why has that never been a movie? And I says, I know it's, it's Hollywood stuff. And it goes to what you're saying. It's it's inspiring to everybody because it's a group of guys from Glasgow, you know, working class boys, done well, and, and literally won the greatest prize in football, probably, especially at club level. Mm-hmm. And they've done it in a way that will never be replicated, ever. And you're talking about not being represented in the media. That's never spoken about enough. Is that, that was all guys from the surrounding areas. Do you know what I mean? And never, ever be a team of all Spaniards at Barcelona or all English at whatever club that won it. And it's so incredible. And it's just, it ties back to what we're saying. It's, it's just so important. It always excites me talking about it. I mean, I know everybody that's watching this knows, but it's just it, it's just such a good feeling to, to talk about these things, I think. Not just... It, it is. It's totally... And by the way, you've, you've reminded me, Brian, of one of the best things... I remember reading and it was like 10 years ago and it's never ever come to fruition but there was chat around Daniel Day-Lewis considering a major role in a film about Celtic and the film is going to be called Paradise and I think it was written by Peter Mullen and I just remember it was in it was in the mainstream press at the time, talking about that film. So you're right; it's got it's cinematic. It's got the proper Hollywood uh, feel about it, and it has been considered. But as you know, because I know you're into film, Brian, these things might come back. They might come back to roost. Who knows? I hope it. I hope it does. You never know. You never know. Um, just like you know, our charity single, Paul, a song that would disappear 
through the years. So you, you mm. never know who might pick up on it. Um, there's plenty of talented people out there in the Celtic world that, that might just do that. But you no, know, I think there's a lot in terms of identity, community, and culture, and what you both say. Um, and there's a few people coming in the comments here. Daniel's coming to say, still think we need a statue of Fergus. What he done for our club should never be forgotten. I know from some chats that he's had with people that I don't think he's too fond of the idea of a statue. I don't think he he's too keen on it. But even again, Paul, you know, if you think of Fergus McCann, you know, from Croy, I think it would take so much more significance for him um, to, to have one probably there. You know, I know the great Jimmy Quinn also came from Croy, but to me that would just be a lot more significant. Um I think Fergus was something like the youngest treasurer of a bus at 13 or something back in the day. Is that right? Yeah, aye, absolutely. And um, it's no surprise to anybody who was in and around that Croy Celtic Supporters Club that he went on to achieve what he did as a businessman because apparently he was switched on from a very, very young age. He used to run the place um, at 13. <laughs> run the finances the, and everything, you know. That must be why the chapel's so good looking with the old uh, plates going around, putting in double. So he must have maybe... Helped the old father up there too, so you never know. But uh, yeah, I think you know important to to give a shout out to the, the Billy McNeil Commemoration Committee. As I said, that they've been on before. If you've not listened to it, check it out. And if you are in the area of Bells Hill, go and have a look at it. It's magnificent, yeah. um, and I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. I don't think any Celtic fan who was there in the day of his family um, were too. So a nice fitting tribute to, to Celtic's greatest ever captain, who will definitely never. Um, he's forgotten um, so. so we'll move on um, to, to January departures so I think Brian we'll, we'll come to you first in this there's been so much chat around Josip Juranovic um, you know people jumped right to conclusions the other night when Canada went 1-0 up against Croatia that'll be his value half of course they went to win the game 4-1 he was up against the top player in Alfonso Davies and that left hand side um, but Croatia got the job done he's the one who everybody's been chatting about, but a, a person who I think would have been interested in this conversation would have been Cameron Carter Vickers had he played for the USA. I think if you're at a World Cup and you're you know on that platform, people are going to look at you. Um, and Aaron Moy in Saturday it was some performance too for him. I don't think you're going to get a big money move for him, um, but there's some Celtic players certainly giving a decent account of themselves at this level. Absolutely, and I think. Even at the start of the season in the summer, you know, which was linked with, I think, Chelsea and Man United at one point. Mm. So you knew it probably wasn't long for the, the Celtic ranks, to be honest. Um, and I think we spoke about it before on the podcast, and I think where I'm just going to get it right is capitalising when there's a big money uh, offering. And I think that's the right way to go about it. Um, I think if we get 20 million, which I think should be a minimum for a player that's played at the World Cup at his age. Um, and we're going for three at 17 million profit is insane. I mean, that that's absolutely excellent. And you know what Ange could do with even half of that money. We saw it. So I think that, you know, guys like that, are, and it, the age is it as well, probably like, I think he's 27 now. So you'd imagine whatever his next big move is, it's probably his last big move, really. Mm. So you think it's probably the right time to, to move on. Gutted to see him go, absolutely love him. Um, and I know he's not officially away yet, but all signs are that he's going to space away. Um, Alistair um, coming in, who is the worst poker face in the world. I saw the thing on Twitter when he was interviewed and he was just rubbish at it. Um, and I've got some days I'd be like that as well. And I can, he, can he keep it in? Too excited. Um, so you're right. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. 
But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. I don't think Moy's going to go anywhere. Um, again, age, profile, his family's in Glasgow, I think he's quite happy there. Um, delighted Carter Vickers didn't play, if I'm honest, because he's one of the bedrocks where, and I'm going to slightly contradict myself because I've said there's no many players that I don't think Ange can be trusted to replace, but there's certain players like Carter Vickers, McGregor, who I think are, are a real, real hard find, and they're so unique that I think they could get replaced, but that would be a real, real, that would make me nervous. Whereas Juranovic for all is good. I trust the judgment that the Canadian guy coming in is going to, going to do well. Um, so, yeah, so I think I think it's good business if he goes, if I'm honest, especially the fact that we're getting um, the Canadian international in, who has looked great. For, I mean, I've not watched much of the World Cup, but I've saw that, like everybody else, I've been a YouTube scout um, when you were linked to him. So, so that's been good. I've just got uh, one quick point. Go back to what I saying about the, the charity single, the Axel charity single. The Paul knows what I'm going to say. <laughs> so we've got some very talented people at Axel, as we know. So Paul sent the, the charity single around to the team for everybody to have a wee listen. So I was like, that's brilliant stuff, right? Now, the lead singer, I thought it was Paul because the accent the sounds quite like him. So I messaged Paul and Paul, what a voice you've got, fella. That's absolutely brilliant. Paul didn't tell me otherwise. I've been telling people, well, they need to listen to the single. Paul's some talent, by the way. You can hear him. I know I broke it to me the other day, so... I I just let it run for a wee while, Brian. I mean, I let it run for a wee while. (laughs) Listen, anybody who was kicking around in in my era when I was kind of like 17, 18, wanted to be in a band. So we did all that kind of stuff. And I can guarantee you, I cannot hold a tune. Uh, so when somebody says to me, oh, you're some singer, Paul, I would, I, listen, I'm taking that. I'm taking that. Even though it only lasted a couple of weeks. <laughs> and you managed to keep it running for a wee while longer. So, I mean, it of did course. the trick. Absolutely. It did the trick. But, you know, Paul, you know, with Juranovic, I think the flip side of this is Celtic's business to get people tied down to long-term contracts. And right away, the, the, the curveball back into the mix around him, was, you know, he's contracted to Celtic till I think 2026, I think he'd signed a five-year deal. So, even though what Brian says is absolutely bang on, that at 27 you're probably looking and thinking this will be possibly his maybe last or, or stepping stone big money move, he's still a Celtic player for a long time and that's been something that I'm glad Celtic have got their act um, together with as these long-term deals because you look at other clubs who have got 12, 14 players out of contract, it was us before Ange came in, you don't want that situation repeating yourself you need to learn those lessons and it's important that we've got guys like Juranovic and others down in these long-term contracts I just think Declan it's it's a lot easier to analyse what we were doing before versus obviously how it's changed because we were very very critical particularly in that that final season where it all went wrong we were very critical um, about the way we were doing business and actually I think it's sometimes difficult to be critical when things are are apparently going well and you're winning league after league treble after treble because I remember back in 2017 Kevin Graham 
was like the prophet of doom and uh, he would come in and say there's loads of things not right at the club and he would get dogs abuse for that. So it is difficult to stand up and say, actually, there's things we can do a lot better. But what we have done since, obviously, the old guard have moved on is we've completely changed our approach to recruitment. Like you say, we've got a guy there in Juranovic that I'm now quite comfortable. I don't think I was at the beginning of the season because Amy and I did a, a Monday bulletin and I was saying this is going to be uh, the first season, you know, we have not we've not sold a big asset and um, you know we were trying to say well it's the first season we've not sold an asset and it's the first season in five that uh, we're going to be hearing the Champions League music and, and there's a correlation between that but now sitting here moving into January transfer window I'm, I'm comfortable enough with the fact that if Juranovic goes and like Brian says we'll get the right fee from because we've got him on that that long term contract Declan um, and we've already got the boy lined up it's a complete turnaround to what we were doing before. I just think we became complacent. You know, we, we knew that uh, if we threw enough targets at a board, a couple of them would hit, hit uh, treble 20. You know, I think that's yeah. what it was. And, I, and I it worked. It worked before. Yeah, I think the, the difference is now that we're being active rather than reactive. We're getting mm -hmm. the business done before anybody leaves the club. It gives you that bedding-in period that you maybe didn't get before. You're not rushing about, you know on a, a deadline day to, to really bring in somebody that's going to be a first-team player. Um, I know we brought Oliver Abelgaard in late during the summer window, but you know he's not really been a first-team player for us at all. So we're not in that situation anymore. We were last year, you know, but I hate to think what would have happened had we not bring, brought Cameron Carter-Vickers in on deadline day last year. Um, I really hate to think what would have happened there, but it's completely changed. And to bring uh, Paul in the comments in, he says... The difference is our players don't want to leave like they used to. There's something special happening at Celtic at the moment and the likes of CCV and Jota want to be part of it. Brian, do you think that's just down to you know, that, that goal of you win the league, you're in the Champions League and that's just where players want to be, that the pathway's there to play at that top level when you don't have, you don't need to worry about going through these qualifiers anymore if you win the league title? I think it's a factor. I actually think that the sort of, what, if you look at sort of football landscape now, Players are developing, and this is where I think the SPFL teams get it wrong, right? Celtic aside, if you look at developing players and selling them, you have to sell them in a style that's going to fit them into most like richer clubs. So they've got to be playing really good football, really fast football. They've got to be very athletic, and these are all things that we do really well with our players. So if you look at like say Jota, he's coming to play in a team that is playing very exciting, very attractive football. Every good player, especially flair ones, want to play a part in that. Mm. The younger guys like an O'Reilly, like an Abada, they're getting all the skills they're going to need to fit straight into a, a, I a, a richer league in a, in a, a different club because the, the, they're playing that one touch, they're playing fast. They're no, and even in Europe, they're not sitting back, retaining behind the ball and hoping, and then they go to, say, a club in England and they can't quite keep up with the pace, they've not got the athleticism. They're getting all that here. So if you're a young player, you know, and it's not about said it necessarily being a, a stepping stone, but if you're a younger player and you're coming to an environment where clearly there's a good culture at the club, because you can tell the players got on with each other. And just very careful about signing people, as he says, no players. So you can tell there's like a good, there's like a good group of lads at that club. Mm -hmm. So you get into your work every day. You're playing with people you like. You're playing the type of football you like. You're getting the lessons that are going to um, hold you in great stead for the rest of your career. And you can do that in Europe as well. That's an incredibly attractive proposition for any young player. No just the fact they're getting to do it at a club like Celtic, 
with that fan base and, and that level of support. I mean, you're, you're iconic if you're doing well. They're all massive, massive factors that make Celtic really attractive. And don't get me wrong, there might not be, I think there'll be players like, I think, like McGregor, Forrest, Ralston, um, even Taylor that I think will beat Celtic long term. But there'll always be that influx and outflux of players that's going to happen. And I think that I saw somebody in the comments earlier saying that it's a shame that we have to be selling players. I don't think we do necessarily have to. I think it's really clever business. Like Aguranovic, you could keep him till his contract runs out. But if you get that much more money, sell him and keep improving the squad, keep reinvesting in scouting, keep reinvesting in infrastructure. As a, as a business, it's a great business model. It is. And as I've said before, I don't think, you know, I, I, I said in the podcast before when I first, uh, first joined Axon that our transfer policy was like, you know, the Argos catalogue. We're just flicking through and going, like, he looks all right, he looks all right, he looks all right in signing players. Um, and it was like the, it was like the Asda orders where you've got a couple of subs because you can get the ones you liked. So you do that one instead and we're hoping for the best. We're signing 20 players and hoping two are good. But we're actually doing the same transfer policy. We're just doing it the best version of it. We're still signing these young guys that nobody's really heard of. We're signing them cheap. But we're signing the type of people we like and the type of players that can fit a system. So they're immediately going to be benefiting the club. And so we're seeing the best version of that. And I think it's the way we have to be moving forward. Yeah, and just that point, I think, Paul, you know, staying one, one step ahead of the game, which Brian says, you know, a guy like Juranovic, who I've said, I think is contracted to 2026, you know, be fair to win by that point in time. But we've saw what happens with guys like Ryan Christie, Olivier and Cham, who we could have received significant fees for, go out the door for for, for pittance, um, especially Ryan Christie being one of those guys, mm. guys like Ayer and Edward who wanted to, to leave the club to. You don't want to create that situation and... You know, I think as Brian says, it's a good system as long as you you use it to to your um your advantage. That's just something I've just not been doing. I, I think back to to Kieran Taylor going out the door for twenty five million quid, and we bought two players and and it was two players who, you know, volleyball and goalie played Europa League football, but it wasn't tried and tested. He played a lot of wing back. He wasn't coming in to initially do that for Celtic. Taylor, who we'd watched at Kilmarnock at the time, we knew he was half decent, but was he going to slot right in and be a uh, you know, first team pick right away. I, I don't think so at that point in time. So it's about having that system where in the January you go out, you buy a O'Reilly, Maeda and Hitati and they just slot right into your team. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I pitched something yesterday, Declan, right? And I would be interested to hear your thoughts because I don't rate Ryan Porteous. And I said this no, no, yesterday, no. I don't rate him, right? Mm. I've, I've never rated him. I've been vocal about it on here and um, people disagree with that. A lot more people agree with me. But when you put that out as a debate, people think automatically, oh, you're saying that because you want Celtic to sign him. I don't. What I was trying to get at and the, the, the discussion I had with Liam uh, delved into this is that as well as the, the transfer strategy that we have, I think there's also a situation where Hans Postacoglu is looking at, right, where's my next three or four guys coming through the academy system? And he's looking at a team that's playing in the fifth year of Scottish football and I don't think he um, reckons that enough of them are ready to step up. And there has to be, we know, there has to be a quota of homegrown players. Uh, four of them, I think, can come through your own academy, four from other academies. Mm -hmm. And so you've got eight guys in a, in a Champions League squad that we'll be announcing, obviously, next season. And there may be, I'm not saying there will be, but there may be a thought process whereby we're looking at some of the guys that are leaving Scottish football for 
pretty minimal fees when you look at some of them. And again, I'm not saying we should have signed Lewis Ferguson or we should have signed uh, Joyce Dog. Uh, <laughs> you know who I mean, Josh Doig. Um, but these guys have moved on, and Aaron Hickey be another one who we tried to sign. Mm. They've moved on, and already Hickey has got a massive move to, to Brentford. There's talk that Doig's on the move in January, and also already talk that Juventus might even be interested in Ferguson. And I think we're looking at the Scottish market because why not? Because it's an option. So why would we say, right, we, we can tap into all these various markets which we've done so, so well and ignore the Scottish market? I don't think we can do that. And that's why I said, you know, the, the latest in a line of young players coming through that, that's caught the eye of uh, quite a lot of teams is Ryan Porteous. Will Celtic be interested? The vast majority of Celtic fans said we shouldn't go near him. But um, if Welsh leaves in January, and there's a chance he might, then is he an upgrade? Is he no better than Welsh? And that was the debate, and I think it's a debate we need to have because the Scottish market has to be considered as well. You should always look for you know players domestically that, that can add something. I think you know Greg Taylor's a good example of that. Um, you see players that have went out and loan in the league, like and I know Tony Ralph is not the best example of it. it. Didn't really thrive at St Johnson or Dundee United, but it's always a market you should consider. I think probably previous we we're looking at it as a market of players that were first team ready, which is possibly, probably the wrong thing to do. Um, maybe two, three years ago, you're maybe looking at somebody of Portis's profile and thinking, yeah, we'll take him and we'll fire him right into the, the start of the I don't think that's what we should be doing at all. There's a couple of decent players, I think, about Petrodi that look okay. Um, I think Conor Barron's one of them. I think he's a decent player. Portis, for me, I wouldn't touch him, but I always think that you should consider the Scottish market. Um, just do it that Champions League squad, as you say, Paul, it's important to do that. And, you know, I think this kind of nicely brings into the mix a guy like Johnny Kenny, who I, I take it we're talking about here. We've brought over, he's not Scottish-born. Um, he's playing down for Queen's Park, the Championship, a good Queen's Park side just now, Brian. Um, I, I think this is a, a debate I've had before on here with Lawrence, Natasha, Patrick. But what is your take on Celtic keeping players within their ranks in the B team for Tottenham Sakes? I know Kenny's one of those who are a wee bit above the age, or letting them go and thrive out at a championship side. I know Luca O'Connell went to Queen's Park, did well, he's obviously no longer a Celtic player. But is that what we should be looking more to do with some of these guys, do you think? So I've got a kind of, I suppose, a sort of different view on it, I think. Practically, it would be better to play at a higher level, right? So you'd assume that going to a championship club or going to somewhere in England would be a better move. However, because... Ange plays such a certain system and he's training such <clears throat> a way. I don't see the point of players going like, still, for example, Scale's going to Aberdeen. He's playing every week. He's been playing well, right? I still don't think he's going to have a place at Celtic. If we've got a youth player coming through, I think it's better for them under Ange if they're playing and training his way at Celtic where they can see them every day. Because if they go to say like a, a Kilmarnock or something like that, they're not going to be playing the way Celtic play. Mm-hmm. So even if they come back to Celtic, they need to change and adapt into that anyway instead of being retrained for the start. And I don't think it especially helps them. That being said, I don't think, I think when a player's getting to about 19, maybe 20, if they're not playing anywhere near the first team, they should just go. Because I don't see them breaking out at that stage. And I think that when you look at the fact we've signed the guy Kobe Ashe, 22, left centre-back, it probably means Welsh is away. If you're looking at a replacement, 
awesome logs being kind of there or thereabouts. Mm. There's no reason to send anybody else if he's there. If you do send somebody else, then just let him go. The academy system's you know, been working for a long time. And a lot of people have been, I don't know, critical lines, but saying, oh, we should get more players on, get more players on. But the players aren't there. The players aren't there that are, are good enough to come in and do a job. Mm-hmm. There's no point in putting them on. I think your academy system is going to get better. I think playing, as I say, training with the first team, train, playing with the, training with the first team, and playing that style will help them longer term, especially the guys at 15, 16, 17, 18. But guys, 21, 22, 23, there's no, if they're not playing them now, they're not going to play. Um, so Kenny, it'll be interesting to see. I think he's still pretty young. Mm. I actually think he's done pretty well in pre-season. He's very fast. I think he would fit into a system fairly well. So you might see him. But the academy system is going to take a long while to fix. It's not going to be, I don't think, it might be another three, four years before you see, you know, academy guys coming through into the first team. But I think longer term, that will be the plan. So you go to the academy first, then maybe look at Scotland, then maybe look at other leagues, and then see where you end up. In regards to Porteous, I wouldn't sign Porteous either. Again, I think he's probably past that point of, I think he's, he's like 23 now, I think, as well. I don't think I think Welsh is probably a better player <clears throat> and Welsh isn't going to be the answer moving forward by lots of it um, I'm a wee bit disappointed actually if Welsh goes because I do like him I think he's a wee bit underrated um, but it is what it is and I think I've said before Ange is as much as he's Ange and we love him he's ruthless and if you think there's a better player there or you're not quite at the level you're off and I think what we may be in for in the summer is you know, someone who we think is unsellable getting sold. You know, maybe that be like a Kyogo or a Hitati or Yakimakis. Some of these players, I think, if he thinks there's someone who can do a better job, I think you say them no problem. I think he sees the club as far bigger, far more important than individual players. And until the academy system is up to a point where they can walk straight in on their thereabouts, I don't think you, you see it. Um, Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And that talks about the evolution that he you know, continually bangs on about. It's why Harry Cole comes in. Stephen McMahon has did a good job as a first-team coach. And that's not going to happen. That's why you take nope. years before you see it. But I think, you know, in terms of like guys like, you know, Abad is another example, a young player coming in, you know, to, to me, the, what kind of signal that sense to any guys in the B team just do is, you know, we can go out and buy somebody who's first team ready to bring into the squad, develop it and be better than what we've probably already got in our ranks, which is a, a, a real shame that that's the case just now. But we're, you know, taking guys like Abada and Kobayashi, O'Reilly's another one, he's only 22, who are around about that age that you've kind of talked about, Brian, who's maybe sent off to a Queen's Park or a Kilmarnock. Um... And of course, there's a flip side of it, you know, Callum McGregor didn't make his way into the Celtic first team till late after going down to Notts County and whatever else. You don't want to say, just get them out the door um, for the sake of it. I think it's interesting that we've sent Mikey Johnson out to a team who 
you know, are at the top end of the Portuguese league. I think, you know, it ties in with what you were saying earlier, that if you're maybe thinking about a potential future for them, you know, Liam Scales going to Aberdeen and defending a, a lot, you know, compared to having a lot of time in the ball that he'd maybe have at our sales, isn't going to be the right fit. And then you're basically needing to retrain him. But it's interesting because we've seen players like Ayer go to command up, come back in, do the job, be ready-made, fine. Um there's some in the B team like Rocco Vata who I would like to see possibly get that chance in but as you say I don't think it's a quick fix for us at all well, look, look yeah. at Ralston you mentioned Ralston and as an example earlier he didn't impress anybody really when he was at St Johnston and Dundee United and in theory that's the right move sent him to a, a, you know, the same standard of the league and then look at the difference in him training the way Celtic to you know, under Angie's coaching he looks like a different player and actually Another reason why I don't think people are too upset about Juranovic potentially going is because Ralston's really good. I think Ralston's probably been better than Juranovic this season, if I'm honest. I think Juranovic's a better player. But I think he, I think Ralston's been better. So, and that's kind of where I'm thinking. Like, if Ange can coach Ralston to that level and he can coach the younger guys to that level, is it worth sending them, you know, to Derek McInnes for a year? Are they going to get coached the same way? I don't see it, so... That's where that's where I'm kind of I maybe see it set differently, and I think that's maybe what the strategy is. Whether it works or not, we'll, we'll find out in due course. I think the, uh, the 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 ideal scenario would be, and I think that the only reason why we've got a B team in the pyramid is because Celtic will want them in the highest level of that pyramid as possible eventually. And there's been loads of kind of roadblocks in the way that getting them in the league was was a roadblock, um, and that's why they're in the fifth tier. Eventually, I think Celtic Rangers Hearts these teams will want their coach teams to get promoted. They want that to be introduced eventually so that they are playing at championship level, no higher, unless obviously um, Hearts get relegated or something. They can't play in the same league as the, the parent club. So until such times that that happens, because there's no way, I'm sorry, no disrespect to the, the league, there's no way you can pluck somebody out of tier five and put them in your first team. So it's not going to work until such times as the B teams in the championship. But in the meantime, why not look at um, kind of nursery clubs? A lot of the big clubs do it. Uh, and basically what will happen is loan deals on you know an annual basis, three or four of them go to the same club. And within that club, there is an understanding of the, the philosophy and the style of the first team at Celtic. And you just got to look at players um, that are in our team that have come through the ranks. Some of the big clubs who are brilliant at, at nurturing talent, um, who have nursery clubs, who then sell their, their talent on and make huge profits on them, are Ajax and Partizan Belgrade. And they two teams are looking at you having played 100 first-team games by the age of 21. Now, how many... Really, how many players have we had that in the last 10, 20 years? I think Tierney might have done it. James Forrest, um, I think he was about 22 by the time he hit the 100 mark. As you said, uh, Declan, Carl McGregor makes his debut at 21 for Celtic. Mm. So we're miles away. We're miles away from what is seen as a European standard. But I think everything we're doing, even though it's going to take a while, like getting the coach team in the league, is with a view to having almost our own nursery club in the league. And if you're playing in the championship, the step up's going to be much, I'm not going to say easier, but five five divisions, it's too many. The other thing I was going to say about uh, Luca Connell and Johnny Kenny, first one with Luca Connell, I think there's no doubt in his ability, but his pace wasn't there, so he was no. never going to come back to Celtic. Um, and Kenny, 
what I would be wanting, even though he's 19, I'd be wanting him to make an impact and he's not making an impact at championship level. So to think that he's going to come back to Celtic and make an impact, I think it's not going to happen. No, I, I don't see him as of yet, you know, being anywhere near that level. I think it's important that you give guys that opportunity to train and play. Obviously, the few of them went over to, to Oz with the, with the first team and whatnot. But, you know, you know, for me, a, a team like Queen's Park's a kind of ideal place that you could maybe be looking at. There's obviously close ties there um, b- between individuals who are at Celtic and at Queen's Park. And it would be the worst place to be looking at. Um, you know, Glasgow-based club who are on the rise just now and are playing good football in the Championship would certainly be a place I'd be looking at to try and do. But I think, you know, either at the mix, Paul, that the UEFA Youth League, I think it's been really, really important. I know somebody had said that in the comments there. Um I think that also lets some of these guys have a taste of what, what they're really up against when you're playing against uh, elite young players. Um, you know, your guys from Madrid and Leipzig, particularly this season, um, and they got a result over in Germany. So I, I think that's also an important factor in this for some of the young players are getting that chance to play at that level. But again, it's not consistent enough. You're going to get six games at that and that'll be it. Yeah, uh, you know, the big thing for me as well, with regards to the European League, I, I do think back to the team that i seen and we're playing Sporting Lisbon. They were playing the games no far from yourself, Declan, at Fur, Fur Hill at the time. Mm. Um, was that not the that generational thing that Mark Warburton came up with? I think he was involved in it before he got a managerial job. Might have been you. And, and when you look at that team, it was the lack of those players that actually came through at Celtic. I think Daniel Fisher came through. <coughs> By the way, an absolute standout that night. He came through. But, you know, it goes back decades. We've just never nurtured it. Um, and every so often you'll get a Kieran Tierney or an Aidan McGeady or maybe a Sean Maloney who comes through, you sell him on, and then it washes away the last 10 years of never doing that with a player. You know what I mean? It's almost like, right, we've justified the academy for another 10 years because we've made a profit on a homegrown player. And I don't think that's good enough. No. See, the no, thing I, is, I as well, like, it's, if you look at it from you know, the club's perspective, unless, because you, you're right, Paul, about finding that, that influx of that talent, and they're kind of special talents, right? But see, because in the comments, you see it every day, some people want us to spend 40 million every year on players. Some people say, bring youth players through. And that's wildly different reactions. It's always that creation where you take three years of playing youth players and no having success, then they have long-term success. Or need instant success, in which case you're always buying players and there's no point having an academy. Now that's two extremes. And then getting that right is probably the hardest thing in football, especially at a club at Celtic, to get these players to come through but always be winning. Like I think you spoke before and there's been a couple of things say like Vata, for example, who's been on the bench. Mm. We think, right, we're seeing it up against St Johnston at home. Why not give him 15 minutes at the end? Right? That would be something that you could start to feed players through, isn't it? But then the flip side of that is, I think him and Abada are the same age. Is he better than Abada? Obviously not. So, is it, did he deserve to play? Or are we just playing him because he's one of the youngsters that's nearly there? So, it's a hard balancing act, as I say. I think. Historically, the criticism of the, the academy and the way things we've done is absolutely right because it's not been done well for I don't know how many years, really. But under Ange, he's only been here two years. It's going to take, you know, we need to be, you have that sort of almost business continuity and sort of run that through and then they may start filtering in. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, let's say Ben Doak, for example, I think he'd have played a, a decent part this season if he'd have stayed. I think Ange fancied him and he put him in a few times. 
And I think that's a damning indictment that plays up there because Andrew's shown he will play players if he thinks they're good enough. Mm-hmm. The fact they're no playing it, it's, it's probably probably shows you their future. Yep, that's been something in the comments that somebody's picked up on Marty here saying that we've had four or five huge prospects in the last two, three years and they're ready up at City, Liverpool and Bayern. That's a huge problem. Obviously, he old, I think, another one to add out of that mix can do it Leeds United. Um, I, was, I was just going to throw in there yeah. talking about Held, right? Um, we were doing at the award ceremony two weeks ago, I think it was, Declan, and Emma Jones joined us at the table. Now, obviously, Emma works for Leeds United TV. And um, it was the busiest table of the night. That's all I'm going to say. With, with people coming to get selfies and all that kind of stuff. And all I wanted to talk about. I never about knew was... you were that popular, Paul. Certainly was there with me. But the only thing I was interested in speaking to her about was Leo Held. So she must have thought I was a proper anorak, which indeed I am. Yeah, I absolutely. didn't even get a selfie. Nah. Well, did she get a, did, did you request one or did she request one? She asked me the balance is to be with these things, you know. I would never I've not, I don't think I've ever taken a selfie I don't think but kind of moving away from Celtic's youth system and kind of scouting the, the global reach on it I know this was something that I'd mentioned to you earlier on Paul was I'm quite excited with the markets that we're still looking at and exploring um, Brian I'll come to you on this one first but we've went to MLS before and we signed Andrew Gutman and Manny Perez who just disappeared off the face of the earth I think Andrew Gutman actually plays for Atalanta United, who are the club that Dave Cormack owns at Aberdeen. I think he's out playing there. Um, it's been a league that we've explored before. Obviously, both those guys never made an impact. Kobayashi, we've went back to the G League to, to bring a player from there in. It really excites me that there's still untapped markets that, that we're going in the direction of. And the fact we're now in the North America market with Alistair Johnson is also really interesting. Absolutely. And it's, again, it kind of goes back to my, my earlier sort of run and that. Guys like, like Gutman and stuff we signed, they were decent players, but there was no sort of will they fit in the system, are the right type of people, will they fit into the culture, how does their play match your style? There was no consideration for that. It was just they let a good player and he's young sign them. Whereas now I think it's a lot, a lot more calculating. And we can see these markets and say, right, he's got the attributes, not just as a footballer, but as a person. They fit our system and our sort of uh, type. I think with the, the North American, what you get with that is you get a real winner's mentality in these players. It's it's just American culture. They're, they're so big on, you know, pro athletes. You know, they're, they're massive on it and they're super fit. They really want to work hard. They want to improve and they're ambitious. And I think these are really good metrics for to bring players in. Um, as I say, I think you look at these these, these markets we're potentially going into and it's just clever business. Like, I think I, I was talking about it on Friday maybe. And we'll talk about like Champions League money and stuff. And I say, I'd rather invest that into scouting and putting guys into these different leagues in these different countries and seeing what's there. Because there is it's just a, a, a world of talent. Like, look at the boy um, Shakhtar, Mudrik. He's going to be an absolute superstar. We could have, like, two years ago, we could have spotted that potential and gotten for about a million quid. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's players there that if you, you're quick enough, you can find them. So, I think scouting is really important and I think that it almost doesn't matter what league it is. So the American League people are oh, saying guys from America, saying guys from Japan, blah, blah, blah. But it's the individual and I think that the faith we can have now is if I'm signing these guys, you know, if if, if Angie's first signing would have been this boy for Canada, people would have went, Celtic doing it cheap again, this is rubbish. Mm-hmm. Look at it now, never gone, Angie knows this guy, he's done the little Oracle Cup. Do you see what I mean? 
it's it's such a different way of doing it, and it's it's kind of the bank for for the big fella because he's he's transfer record. Maybe James McCarthy at the Gucci side, um, it's been absolutely exceptional. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. There's one thing that comes to my mind, uh, Declan, is uh, Andy Lynch. Obviously, spent a lot of time with Andy, and he was speaking about. Uh, obviously, he was part of the NASL, but the team that he was a player manager for was the Montreal Manique. So at that time, he lived in Canada, hence the reason why Simon Lynch um, was born there. And he was talking to me about the the good, the bad, and ugly of the NASL. And the one big thing he always said was. Um, they didn't. There it is. There's the book right there. Hoop stars and stripes. Nice plug. Um, and he said that what they didn't do right is they didn't have that infrastructure in, in place whereby they were producing their own players. They didn't have the academies, and actually they weren't really interested in doing it back then. Um, and as we all know, that they, they were all about just buying the best players from world football, and that's why George Best, Johan Cruyff, mm. Pele, they all went over uh, to play uh, in Bobby the Don't forget Bobby. Me, Bobby. Bobby and Jinky, Jinky yep. went over for a spell. Um, but interesting enough, that came to my mind when we started getting in, um, this kind of interest in and link to Alistair Johnson because he, he obviously plays for Montreal. And I was just thinking back to what Andy says, but it's taken a whole generation for them to get that right. And now, when we're interested in players from these markets, we shouldn't be surprised because I'll tell you what, the gap between when Andy was there in the 1980s and where we are now has absolutely shortened you know if you were to take an 18 year old from Montreal and compare them to an 18 year old from Glasgow you know what's the difference these days but 40 years ago there was a huge difference yeah and you know I was reading something the other day and it said out with the, the top five leagues in European football the most amount of players that's went to this World Cup are from the MLS which talks volumes about you know the, the calibre of player there and I think that, that breeds in well to, to what we're after but we want players coming in with that bit of experience that they can play at the top level play against good sides and you know Brian when you're looking at Johnson 33 caps or something here um, Craig someone in the comments they say at 24 years old that's impressive and he believes that Canada are a good team he's playing alongside someone in Alfonso Davies who's a superstar and um, we know his qualities he's younger than, than, than Johnston but you know Davies is a superstar at, at Bayern Munich these are the type of players that you should be trying to get. And again, I was talking to a Canadian journalist yesterday who's basically said that Johnson fits the Celtic profile perfectly. If he's got 15 minutes with the press, he'll sit with them for an hour. He's approachable. He's a really nice guy. And whatever else, so everything about this move just seems to be perfect for us. Well, exactly. And that, that's what I'm saying earlier. It's, we're, we're doing this things right now because these profiles fit us exactly. It's not just a player we're having to sign. What I mentioned we were talking about Arthur Johnson on, on Friday. The fact he's 24, I felt, was was a wee bit unusual just because I felt like we should probably start... That, that's only... It's not a negative, but it's the only thing I think we need to improve on is maybe signing guys a wee bit younger. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. 
This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And, and get them. So the, as Paul said, they've played 100 games between time they're 21 22. In fact, it's 33 cats for Canada. He's already made replacement for Janovic, you would suggest. Competition for Ralston. I think it's a, a really good buy. But again, it's, it's no... And again, it, comes, it does come down to Ange, no matter what way you slice it, because there's a reason... He's saying specifically these guys, it's because they fit the system. They're, you know, affordable and they seem like good people. And that's that's the difference to, to previous years. Um, and as you say, the fact that guys playing at a World Cup against good opponents um, and playing alongside great players can only be the benefit Celtic longer term. One other wee thing, a wee link back to Billy McNeil at Bells Hill. Uh, Declan, the, the copper who was meant to be uh, looking after all the... Well, the police was Lex Bailey, <clears throat> um, and at the last minute that was changed. But Lex Bailey's based there apparently, and it brings to mind that you know uh, back in the day when he was at Celtic, I, th- I know the record books say that he signed for Toronto Blizzard. But what actually happened was um, Billy McNeil had played with Tony Taylor. Uh, McNeil was a young player coming through. Tony Taylor was one of the more senior players who actually left for Crystal Palace and he was coaching over in Canada and they did a deal to get Lex Bailey over there to get game time. So there was a guy who couldn't get a game for Celtic but he went over to Toronto Blizzard and starred because they, they didn't have that, that uh, you know, uh, youth setup where they could bring in a, a centre-half of their own. But it's gone full circle now and actually if we don't watch what we're doing at, at Celtic and, you know, uh, we need, you know, we could be left behind when it comes to youth talent because th- there's no, there's absolutely no coincidence that we haven't been able to bring the players through for that period, and we've lost all those players that the commenter mentioned earlier because we have. There's a whole team of them. I think you could throw even Dembele into that mix. You know, he didn't get enough game time. He's away. He's playing football in France, so uh, I think we'll come to rue that in, in and years to come. And it's about spotting that talent earlier. Donnie's come in here in the comments to say we'd like to Buchanan for Canada. Pretty direct and not fair to take on a player. Tijon Buchanan's at Bruges just now, who at this point in time have got a much better track record of bringing youth players through and has been tipped for a £20 million move um, elsewhere. So even if that's important at the point you get in here. And it's also quite interesting, Brian, you know, you're, you're talking about getting in at the right time, the age of the, the, the player, that Hatati's almost similar to Johnson and that they've both came through their university systems in their respective countries. They've still got that wee bit of development to go, but they're both first-team ready players for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I say, I think that's probably, that's where it, it differs slightly with some of the, the, the leagues, I suppose, as you say, the, the university system and, and things like that. Because, I mean, Hitati's only been professional for, what, two years or something? Is that right? Yep, two years. Yep. So I mean, I mean that's that's insane. So I suppose you have to caveat that when you're dealing with the ages of these players coming in. Um, but again, it just shows that 
you know, you mentioned Club Bruges. So they're, they're, they're in a position where they've been bringing through youth and they're and that sort of thing. They're making loads of money off it, which then means they can get maybe a couple of marquee players and stuff. And I think that's what Celtic have been trying to do for a long time, but it's not been quite working. And I feel like over the next five to ten years, as long as Celtic have modernised appropriately and are going to keep that continuity and that sort of system in place, like post-Ange, then we should be, there's no reason we shouldn't be able to do that. And then I know a lot of people say get players ready so they can go straight into the Champions League. But then if you're bringing youth players through, they can play the Champions League. Surely that's the goal. Because mm-hmm. then you become sustainable. A la like an Ajax, like a Spartak, like a Club Bruges, like whoever. So I think that's a long-term game. And I think, I think that's what Andrew Dryler do. I think that seems to be. I think he's sort of said that before. I think that's the plan. But again, it's just going to take a, a while to get there. But we're on the right track. Yeah, I think we are. And we I are think on the right you, track. You look at the kind of the, the bigger picture of it all. It's almost as if just now this season in Champions League, players within our side were kind of taking those scalps first Champions League level to get used to it, get that experience of it, and then we're all hoping progress next season. Whereas if you're looking at you know internationals who are playing at a World Cup or whatever coming into your side, played Concaf, um, it's another tournament that I think will prepare you pretty well for. Or Scottish football, um, you're bringing in guys that can just assimilate absolutely perfectly. That they won't be an experience at playing a top level or up against you know quality opposition. So it's one I think that I'm excited about. And also, Paul, can I bring Sietak Sabanovic into this conversation? That Johnson's got as he's versatile, which Sabanovic is too. That we're bringing in players that are not just you know, a right winger and that's it. Haxabanic, you know, can play either side of the wing, can play as the number 10. Alistair Johnson can feature as the right side of the a back three, can play right wing back and he's also played the other side. So, I, I, again, I think that's important in terms of your overall squad going forward. Totally. It's, you look at some of the signings, um, the adaptability of Matt O'Reilly when Callum McGregor gets injured, you know, Jota and Maeda being able to switch wings, Abada can switch wings. All three of them can play through the middle. Uh, apparently, Hatati can play left back. So you start asking yourself, is this something that Ange wants? He wants them to have two or three rather than just having this fixed position because I, I was taken by surprise, maybe I shouldn't have been with, with Matt O'Reilly's uh, performances since... Callum McGregor uh, has been out of the side as well. Um, I'm just wondering, Decky, if you want to have a wee chat about Morton because there are a couple of wee links to Morton, Celtic links, um, and obviously we've just drawn them in the Scottish Cup. Yeah, Bill, after um, Air Pollock last night, which I think one of our Axon contributors, Jim Jim Orrid, headed down to. um, Yeah, so we've been drawn against Morton. Obviously, the the immediate link there is F.A. Ambrose, who's been a standout uh, since, since joining them. So he'll be returning back to Celtic Park. He's found um, his level. Well, maybe you never, you never know why. I used to quite. Brian, like what, what age do you think Effie is? I was looking at this uh, this morning. I, I think he's younger than I think he is. I think he's maybe only 32, 33. He's 32 because I was surprised I, I, I at I that. He was younger than I thought. Like, yeah. I thought he was a lot older. (laughs) 32 years of age, big F, he's still doing that front flip. And um, when I had a wee look at him, obviously, you know, since he left Celtic, he's played for quite a few Scottish clubs, isn't he? Livingston was the one I remember most. The Pars, played with the Pars, um, St Johnson and now Morton. But you know what happens, right? You draw Morton and instantly I think, right, remember when we drew them in the Cup uh, back in 2013 and it was the League Cup third round and they beat us 1-0 after extra time. 
do get him and he scored the goal. I'm going to read you the Celtic starting lineup, guys, just so that you can go away from this bulletin, safe in the knowledge that we're in much better shape. Here we go. Zaluska, Ambrose, Van Dijk, Mulgrew and Lustig. Beaton, Brown, Borigter. Borigter? McGeoch, Rogic and Pukki. And Morton pumped us in a, after extra time. There's one for the, the wee guy on Twitter that's doing the Neil Lennon facts. The manager was Neil oh, Lennon yeah. that day. Yeah, nice one. I remember that game well because it was a freezing, it was a cold, cold night. And uh, again, these these cup ties early on are always not very well attended. So there's more seats around you and whatever else. And it makes you feel even colder. And it was a cold, cold night. And do you say that was 2013, Paul? Nine years ago, mate. Yeah, so Nine I would have school ago. the next morning, so the thought extra time um, wasn't he? something that I think I had, a, man I had was a shift. About. I had a shift to go to the next morning. Um, but also, the other thing I was going to say is just before we came on, Declan, I've seen a story there breaking that apparently Morton are interested in giving Lee Griffiths a lifeline. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one because obviously he's been training with Livingston, hasn't he? Um, McGeoch, another one who's been been training there. He's went down south to I think Forest Green Rovers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting one because Morton are, are chatting in the door to, to obviously try and get out of the the Premiership this season. That they've had a really good start to the season. You know, for teams to win leagues, you want players who scored goals. We know that Griffiths can do that on his past form. Whether he's still got it just now, you know, I think was yet to to be seen. But. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because, you know, I think from Morton's perspective, it's either win or bust with that kind of sign and they'll either come in, hit the ground run and score goals for you or he'll, he'll cause more problems than he's probably worth. They tried it with Gary O'Connor, remember, uh, yeah, when Shields was in, in charge. I mean, again, just now you look at this before coming on, obviously he's the same age as F.A. Ambrose, by the way, Brian, 32. Um, and since leaving Celtic, he's played for Dundee, Falkirk and Mandura City. Uh, last game he played for Celtic was on the 24th of July 2021 seems like a lot longer ago than that 2021 and, and I'll tell you what in the 18 months since then his career has nosedived he's been in free fall so who knows wish him all the best if he does get a contract yeah, it's scary isn't it how quickly, quickly it can change for, for players and I think it's, it's one of the things sometimes we um, sometimes as fans we don't consider a lot of times we you know I remember when Kieran Tierney left and some people still hate Kieran Tierney for leaving Celtic and it's like you need to remember as a as a, a, a short career for these guys and it can it can turn very very quickly mm. you know it can go go wrong a couple of injuries and, and that's it so he's got to maximise it and yeah I think sometimes we don't really consider the, the sort of fucking darker side of football the right phrase maybe it's a bit dramatic but how quickly things can change but as I say look I'm, I'm happy for anybody that's going to be the life the right way in doing well so if the, the guy gets a good move and back to form, good for him. Paul, just to, to wrap it up, did you have a couple of uh, things in a kind of half-time report? Just kind of short I did. questions to us? Yeah, it's a half-time, half-term uh, kind of report looking at uh, successes and otherwise. So I was just going to ask you guys if you were to look at the signings and I always underline the fact that the first three were loans to permanent in Maeda, Carter Vickers and Jota. On top of that, we've also had Segrist, Burnaby, Moy, Haksabanovic, and a couple of loanees in Jens and Abelgard. If you were to pick one, I'll start with yourself, Brian. Who's been a success so far in the first half of this season from that list? Haksabanovic. 
Haxibanovich maybe, um, just because I think he's added a little bit something different to the to the front. Um, or James, I say I say James um, was probably one of the best signings this summer, just because of he's got more stability at the back. So him or him or we um, we Haxibanovich. <laughs> Most people are saying Haxibanovich. Declan, do you agree with that? I think always try and put into context the importance of Cameron Carter-Vickers, which you've seen how big a player he was missing the other side when he took that injury. Um, you know, going into the Champions League with Stephen Welsh and more exchanges, as your centre-half pairing wasn't the, the best of situations, I think, for us to be in at that point. Um, obviously, with Callum dropping out the team, Cam's taking over the, the armband. I know there was that video of the huddle and... If he's not a shooter or whatever else, but I think he, he lets his his football do the talking um, on the park, and I just think he's a real rock solid player to us. So, I, for, for me, if it's just based on you know who signed Pemberley, I'm going to say Cameron Carter Vickers. But I think I'd agree with Brian in terms of potential and what we're going to see to come in the next part of the season. Uh, see attacks Banovic for me. Um, <clears throat> there's ten players out on loan, guys: Barkas, Scales, Montgomery, Soro, Uragidi. Wiley, Kenny, Ayeti, Shaw and Mikey Johnson. A couple of the guys have been spoken about today. If one of them is going to come back and be a success at Celtic, Brian, which player is it going to be? Well, it's Barkas, 100%. He's doing all right. Man of the match, yeah. is it? Uh, it's right, uh, they're still going to be hologram hands. He's never coming back. But actually, I don't think any of them are coming back. Don't need to be a wee stickle in the mud, but I don't see any of them coming back making a huge impact. Maybe, maybe Montgomery is the one that I, I thought I, mean, I was a wee bit surprised when he left. I thought he could, he could really flourish under Ange, but um, if I'm realistic, I don't think anyone will come back. What about yourself, Dick? I'm going to go with the two that's featured most under Ange. Um, probably Adam Montgomery more than Michael Johnson, but I've been impressed with, with, with Johnson's work attitude and ethic going out there to Portugal. Um, they're in a good position. I think they're, they're fourth or fifth in the league table just now out there. Um, and he's certainly putting in the performances for that. He's making an impact in a team who are playing attacking football that certainly fits our bill. But Adam Montgomery, uh, but I thought was a decent player when he came in under Ange, probably used a bit more than the manager would have liked him to be. Um, so, yeah, possibly possibly Adam Montgomery and Michael Johnson. I think if you're looking at age, this is going to be the time. If Michael Johnson is going to come back, he needs to make an impact when he comes back. Yeah. Adam Montgomery's probably still at that point with maybe another loan deal. Um, could benefit him, but I'll, I'll stick with I'll stick with Adam Montgomery. Nice, I would say say the same. Uh, before we get on to Angie's performance, I'm just going to say another Canadian Celtic link has come to mind uh, of, of recent times. I know that there were other ones back in the day, um, but can any of you guys remember Jacob Lenski, who was at Celtic, and no. uh, he was from Vancouver. Um, we eventually let him go in 2007. He signed for Feyenoord. He eventually played against us in Europe for Utrecht. Um, I he think was the I, goalkeeper. He was he was a midfielder. Okay. And and I remember him doing an interview, uh, and he, he basically he, his attitude was unbelievable. You know, he was talking. About, when you look at him now, he's 33 years of age. He's one of these players, Declan, who probably played 50 odd games in his entire football career and just chucked it. He was really, really highly rated and just didn't have the attitude. And he used to complain about having to wash boots and stuff when he was at Celtic. Uh, nice one, Jacob. Hopefully he's doing well. Um, but the, the final thing I was going to ask you is if we're going to give Ange a grade 
because it's a half-term report card, Brian. If you're going to give him a grade, and we're nine points ahead, we're in the semi-final with the League Cup. Yes, we got knocked out of the Champions League, but we've seen off um, a manager of our nearest challengers already. How would you grade it, ATF? Oh, so domestically, an A in Europe, C minus. Just which seems harsh because I think the performance was very, very good, but I have to offset that against the actual results. So C minus in Europe. So. But we have a wee caveat that I'm going to be a bit harsh, but A domestically. Nice. What about yourself, Dick? Yeah, I think domestically, you know, pretty much perfect apart from that St Murn game. Um, it's been a long run of league wins, um, something that we knew we had to do last season. It's just kind of continued on. I think possibly that St Murn game, he just he thought that the squad was in a place that it maybe just quite wasn't. Um, I think if he'd have made those changes now, he'd have seen a much better team um, I wanted to throw in Aaron Moy has got the, the second joint most uh, possession one back in that, that group just below Christian Eriksen so it pretty much says something about his World Cup campaign so far I think I'd agree with Brian you know in Europe um, frustration probably more than disappointment just how many chances and whatever we created A minus B plus somewhere about that I think you know domestically top top notch to be nine points clear going into this break was excellent I think we'll come back a different animal um, after the break, but I think you know n- next season we really want to see us make inroads in European football, which is something he'll want to do. So I don't think the big man would give himself an A. So I'll go with a B plus. There you go. DJ Choice goes for a B domestically and a D in Europe. Just before you wrap up, Deck, I'm going to do a shameless plug because when I was on the show yesterday, there was a delivery. Look at that. Seven years it's taken to arrive. There you go. That's the new book, the Celtic jersey. And in there, there are match-worn examples of every single Celtic jersey since 1936, right up to this season, barring three, I think, three that I could not find uh, for love nor money. And there it is, that's the latest um, book coming from the stable of a Celtic state of mind, from yep, myself. So a good day, Christmas present, if you haven't already sorted out one of your nearest and dearest. And I don't know, have we hit 20k yet on YouTube, Paul? We are 43 away, Declan. 43 yep. subscribers away on YouTube. So if you're watching this and you haven't clicked on subscribe, we're going to make it as easy as possible. So now, all you get on the channel is Celtic content. That's it. We're setting up a separate channel where all the other stuff's going to go on to so that if you don't like notifications about a band or, or a filmmaker or whatever it might be, it'll be on a separate channel. Subscribe to Axom and all you'll get is Celtic content and also you'll be thrown in a prize draw for two tickets to go and see the Vim Janssen tribute night at the Armadillo in May as well so yeah please subscribe that that helps us a lot yep and if while you're doing there give the video a wee like too um, gents you're welcome anytime on a Tuesday um, if there are troops don't turn up it's been good to pass the, the last hour with you as always um, thanks to all our usual contributors in the comments so thank you for watching Celtic State of Mind
mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.